0: Radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty the Armstrong and Getty Show it seems the Russians here never knew what hit them their uniforms lay strewn on the ground Ukrainian troops helped themselves to abandon weapons Andre a sniper who didn't want to show his face said 120 Russian soldiers were at this position and that Ukrainians took dozens captive Others still lay where they fell. We counted 12 bodies. Russia never expected its invasion to be stopped in its tracks.
1: Leave no man behind, which is a rule of many militaries around the world. Apparently not the Russians. They left dozens of dead soldiers there who had been lied to about what they were fighting for and who they were fighting, and then left them there dead on the ground as they retreated. That is, uh, that's some country.
0: Yeah, well, and and most of them are draftees. Had no interest in being in the military anyway.
1: That is something.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm or looking this, up uh, it's difficult at difficult uh, to say Holly
1: Williams of CBS News, who's still there in Ukraine, and she's wearing a helmet and a jacket with it that says "Press" on it, like the Russians care. Um, but she's standing in front of some burned out tanks and stuff like that that belonged to the Russians on the front lines where they have pulled away from there in uh, the Kiev area. Now, all the stories today are, it's beyond clear now that they're just regrouping, re uh, uh, repositioning. It's not a retreat in any way. But they were forced in the repositioning, which is good news
0: hmm. for Ukraine, I think. Yeah, it's a fallback. It's no truce or anything like that. Oh, you know, speaking of labels that are ignored by the Russians, I saw another shot an aerial shot of uh, Mariupol where they showed the theater that had giant signs painted in front and back on top, children, and the Russians just bombed the crap out of it and slaughtered all sorts of children. I hope, and this is cold comfort, but I hope that concept, something that's labeled as children ignored by the Russians, becomes a symbol, becomes a, I don't know, a catchphrase, a rallying cry something. That We can't forget that act. Anyway, I'm looking at Uh, this tank on fire up on the TV, Russian
1: tank that's on fire. And as you know, I didn't know this, but Mike Lyons has pointed out to us, you don't lose tanks. You just you like militaries don't lose tanks. It's very hard to lose a tank. And they've lost hundreds of tanks, either destroyed or taken as Ukraine now has more tanks than they started the war with because they've taken so many from the Russians extraordinary failure by the Russian military.
0: Well, and I get uh, how you blow a tank apart uh, with the advanced weaponry that NATO has given them, Um, but taking a tank, oh, and by the way, it's worth noting that my clients also said, you can't blow tanks apart like that. That's why they're tanks. Well, apparently Russian tanks are more or less Lego toys or something, but um, how did they get those tanks, those intact tanks? How did the Ukrainians get them? Got to be Russians abandoning them. Probably fleeing for their lives whatever defecting i don't know well if you're out if you're out of fuel
1: what are you just going to sit in your tank and hope nobody comes along and kills you i suppose you'd leave it i'm going to take a walk into
0: the woods thank you i may be back i may not so ryan Chilcote of npr had a conversation with dmitry peskov who is sputin sputin uh, putin's personal spokeshole um and uh he he asked him about a number of things there were a couple of Uh, Topics in particular, I thought were interesting and worthy of playing for you. The first is a handful uh, about the question of whether Putin is going to
2: use nukes or not. Uh, Let's start with clip number 40, Michael. Could you please clarify for us what exactly would amount to an existential threat to Russia? For example, if you were unable to achieve your objectives in Ukraine even though there's no one fighting in Russia, there's no strikes on Russia, could that be perceived as an existential threat?
3: Well, first of all, we're, we have no doubt that all the objectives of our special and military operation uh, in Ukraine will be completed. We have no doubt about that. But uh, any outcome of the operation, uh, of course, is not a reason for usage of a nuclear weapon. For
0: some reason, executive producer Hanson, who will soon be feeling the rough side of my tongue, edited out the key part where he says the only time we would use nukes is if we were, the very existence of Russia was threatened. Mm. And then uh, so then uh, the interviewer drills down a little bit on, uh, you know, whether there's any outcome of, of Ukraine that could threaten the existence of Russia. And essentially, the answer is no. And then follows up with forty two.
3: But at the same time, if you remember the initial statement of the president when uh, he ordered the operation on the 24th of February, uh, uh, there was a part of his statement warning different states not to interfere uh, in in the affairs between Ukraine and Russia during this operation. He was very strict in his warning, and he was quite tough on that. And I think that everyone understands what he meant.
0: And it's like, wait, what? Wait, wait. You just said no. There's no outcome in Ukraine that could bring the use of nukes. But now you just said you heard the president. He warned you sternly, and you better listen. I think the guy realized he got over out over his skis a oh, little bit.
1: They, that, that's what I'm wondering, yeah.
0: I think like so many uh, people involved right now with Putin's war, and I truly believe this is Putin's war, and some of the uh, super right-wingy advisors he surrounds himself with, who I've been reading about lately, uh, but everybody else is like, oh, my God, I've got to go out and defend this. Oh, no. And so I think this Peskin character just, he, he thought, oh, I probably ought to echo Putin a little more than I'm doing. Well, the story of the day yesterday
1: that we have intelligence somehow... That Putin is being lied to by all of his underlings about everything. Um, somebody just made the point that uh, nothing could be more damaging to a former KGB guy who's all about having, you know, the information. I've got the scoop. I'm the one that's in the know.
2: Always.
1: Always. To be, you know, pantsed in front of the world as having no idea how much he's getting his, uh, his tanks kicked in uh in ukraine that ought to be embarrassing who knows how the lizard murderer reacts to these things but is he seeing is anybody showing him the video i'm looking at right now on cbs news of a russian tank on fire is he seeing any of that does he have I any wonder. idea
0: no clue no clue we must have some pretty good uh, sources inside the kremlin to know that he's being misled like this
1: wouldn't that be something though if he had no idea i mean it's just completely news to him
0: We've lost 200 tanks. Who loses 200 tanks? You know, if he just had no idea. So I need to clarify something before we move on. You called Putin a lizard murderer. Are you saying he's a lizard who murders or he's a man who murders lizards?
1: Sure. There's probably a comma in there or a dash or something, but he's a he's a, he's a <laughs> lizard who murders.
0: <laughs> I see. All right. Great. Moving on. He's then. got the emotions of a lizard. He is reptilian, which, which factors into his willingness to murder anyone. Indeed. I heard it said by some international diplomat Uh, he was saying uh, Russians lie all the time. You can't believe a single thing the Russians say. Just don't. And it almost made me uncomfortable. It was like, uh, you know, oh, that's kind of hurtful toward the Russian people. Should you say stuff like that? Too long in Northern California. Disease. Anyway, but this guy's saying no, Russians lie routinely. So don't believe a word they say. On that topic, listen to this exchange, would ye. It's a little lengthy, but it's interesting. About the question of war crimes and targeting civilians. Again, this is Ryan Chilcote of NPR and the Russian spokesman Putin spokesman uh, 45 Michael
2: the US uh, and other nations as you're aware say Russia is committing war crimes in Ukraine they say your forces seem to be deliberately targeting civilians in your operations there the International Criminal Court has launched an investigation and the prosecutor at the International Criminal Court says that Russia has not responded uh, to his request for contributions if you're not doing anything wrong in ukraine why not cooperate with the icc
3: we do not accept the jurisdiction of uh, icc uh we we did not uh we did not uh, acknowledge it before and we do not accept it right now and we're not going to accept it uh, further
0: All right, so that's kind of wishy-washy give me 46 michael here's where the rubber meets the road
3: so about uh, about the civilian targets actually it's a very important question. You have to know that uh from the very beginning of the special operations Russian military had a very strict order from the chief commander not to aim at civilian targets. And they're not doing that. They're not shelling houses. They're not shelling um uh, apartments. Mm. They're not shelling civil objects. They're only shelling and they're aiming objects of military infrastructure in the context of uh, one of the main goals of the operation, demilitarization of, uh, of Ukraine. Then who is ruining the infrastructure, the civil infrastructure of Mariupol, for example? Those Nazi battalions um, uh, inside Mariupol, they're simply killing those who would like to... Uh, to escape from the city. And uh, these nazi battalions, they are using the apartments as a shelter for their guns, for their armaments, for their tanks, for their snipers, uh, thus co- causing the the uh, reciprocal fire. Okay, Michael, so you can not- go ahead and
0: fade it out. Is so,
3: nazi Nazi?
0: Yes, yes. Somebody needs to teach him how to pronounce Nazi, but what he's saying is the Russians aren't shelling any houses. They're not shelling apartment buildings or any civilian targets. It's those Nazis that are doing it, those secret ghost Nazis battalions, that nobody can
1: see. so not even just like individual Nazis, Nazi battalions. Oh, yeah. are shelling apartments because people are trying to escape.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: Now, I was at the beginning of that going to say, well, maybe he's just being misled like Putin. I mean, maybe he's, you know, maybe he's being lied to too and has no idea what's going on. But there ain't or no I
0: way. thought maybe he's claiming that, oh, the top brass said no civilian targets and he's trying to throw it down. He's trying to throw the war crimes down the ladder a little bit.
1: But there ain't nobody who believes there's Nazi battalions At all in Ukraine, let alone shelling apartment buildings.
0: Well, what's even more terrifying than battalions of Nazis is that they're uh, apparently battalions of uh, vampire Nazis. Because, uh, like vampires, they don't show up in mirrors nor on film. So, you got Nazi vampires, vampire Nazis if you prefer.
2: uh, Have you been a good little Nazi?
0: That's one of their commanders there. (laughs) Running roughshod over Ukraine. That is the official claim of the Russian government. What's the point of even talking to them and then is there any point in talking
1: to them at all now if if Putin announces we're pulling back and then the next day shells the area he pulled back from and his spokesman's out there saying there are Nazi battalions blowing up those apartment buildings. It ain't us. What's the point of even talking to them? I mean, that's, honest that's, to God, is there well, any use in letting them say that? In fact, it might do more harm than good.
0: Uh, maybe on the other hand, you're exposing their dishonesty. I think everybody's good and convinced. Uh,
1: okay. If there's anybody out there, Tucker, anybody, who uh, <laughs> still, who's still... Candace. Um, interesting. So, on America's Least Empowery, we have a, uh, another lie, apparently, out of the Oscars that has just been disclosed. Okay. Mm. This is new. More
0: dishonesty. How dare you?
1: Um, again, on America's Most Unimportant Story. And, and other things. Stay with us.
3: Armstrong and Getty.
2: the Armstrong and Getty show many notables have spoken out and condemned both what will Smith did and also those in the audience who gave him a standing ovation after he did it including a famous athlete who's been the subject of some Chris Rock jokes himself. <laughs> understood
3: the feeling. Now, uh, in my life, I've been through a lot of crap when I was raising two young kids, and every comedian in the country had an OJ routine, and don't think I
2: wouldn't want to be slapped a couple of those guys, but you got to accept it. It's, it's humor, and I didn't even think that was all that egregious. Okay, so, when OJ's giving a lecture on self-control, that is, I think that's I didn't look it up, but I believe that's the very definition of ingregious. I know
3: this. After what happened to me in Las Vegas, if I would have done that in front of a
2: billion people watching around the world, they would have given me life without it. I'm just saying, hey, take care. Uh, yeah. Just in case you're unaware that the world's upside down, we have OJ now claiming someone else got off easy. I'm just saying. Wow. <laughs> so,
1: the story of the day yesterday was the Academy coming out and saying we asked him to leave, but he wouldn't. Um, the fact that he got to stay is outrageous. This is Wanda Sykes, who was one of the hosts on Sunday night, commenting yesterday.
0: To let him stay in that room and enjoy the rest of the show and accept his award, I was like, how gross is this? This is just... The wrong message, you know, like you assault somebody, you get escorted out the building, and that's it, you know uh, uh but but for them to let him continue, i thought I thought it was was gross
1: it is gross, I tend to hate everything Wanda Sykes says, but she's absolutely right about that, that he got to just stay there and enjoy the evening and go party is crazy, and the only reason i'm willing to talk about this, Joe can speak for himself is it just helps take the sheen off the whole Hollywood thing after having to live my whole life where they were treated like a combination of you know beautiful philosophers well they were beautiful philosopher kings that's mm-hmm. they were really pretty and wiser than all of us and those that we should look to for guidance and everything. And we all bought into it to a certain extent. And now that it's been stripped bare, that they are every bit the money-focused hypocrites, as every other organization is, is,
0: is awesome and delicious. Oh, they themselves have no principles whatsoever, but they will lecture you endlessly on what principles you ought to have and what punishments you should endure if you don't live up to them.
1: Yeah, God, I think about past years of watching the Oscars and the way people felt and acted, and now the former winner for Best Picture, Sean Penn, and he would stride across the stage dignified, and everybody would cheer him. Oh, my gosh, what does he have to say about the war in Iraq? You know, that sort of crap. Just ridiculous in retrospect. I thought it was ridiculous at the time. but So the Academy comes out and says yesterday we asked him to leave, but he wouldn't, which I thought... I don't what think you know mean? how that sounded. <laughs> um TMZ's reporting and TMZ's usually right about this stuff because they got a lot of sources. Um that that's a complete bunk. Will Smith was never asked to leave the Oscars after he slapped Chris Rock. In fact, the opposite is true. He was told by the producer of the show he could stay, according to sources with direct knowledge who were present. There was quite the argument, but uh, that nobody they never settled on anything backstage because some people did think he ought to leave. And um, uh, they never got around to it. And one of the producers went and told him, "You're you're going to you get to stay because Will Smith uh, w- was concerned that they was going to be asked to leave before he, you know, won Best Oscar." I, if I was a producer there, I'd have walked out on stage, just grabbed the mic, made a big show out of it. Look, I'm uh, I'm doing. I'm going to resign. I'm resigning from the Academy. I just want to let you know we're arguing backstage. I think it's ridiculous that Will Smith is still sitting there in the front row, having just attacked someone. I resign. I think everybody agrees with we should leave right now. Wanda Sykes could have said it too, for instance. But they didn't, did they? Nope.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: The big official White House announcement about the gas release is out. We'll maybe hit that next segment. I don't know if I've had too much coffee today or what, but, like, the the headlines of the day are making me anxious and concerned. Oh, my God, do I have enough money saved up? I mean, because just there's so many flashpoints for disaster out there. Maybe I've just had too much coffee.
3: Just looking at the Iran
1: thing and the inflation thing and the... ah!
0: You know, uh, there was was an expenditure, maybe two, that I was considering that, you know, they're fine, they're affordable and all, but I just keep thinking, I don't know, I I would hate to, like, do this optional thing, and then, you know, a year from now, I'm selling a kidney for food money, you know, for medicine.
1: (laughs) Well, Well, right, and you would look back and think, so what about last year seemed subtle enough Settled enough to go ahead and, you know, buy that whatever. (laughs) Yeah,
0: maybe I'll go ahead and eat that new set of irons I bought for my golf bag. Because there are a lot of things up in the air right now. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Is uh,
1: is gas this high for the next week? This is the peak and it goes back down to normal? Or is it this high or higher for the next 20 years? I don't have the slightest idea and neither does anybody else.
0: Well, and the stuff we were talking about a couple of days ago, where every input to agriculture has skyrocketed in price. Oh, yeah. From diesel fuel to propane right. to fertilizers to pesticides. And, and this very, very sober uh, group of uh, economists and, and and scientists were predicting a global famine.
1: So you heard about the global famine coming, and you went ahead and bought a new whatever. Yeah. Seems kind of stupid in retrospect.
0: <laughs> yeah. Super. <laughs> Anyway, so apparently the uh, the Blue Ribbon Panel in Los Angeles County has put out the report on the state of the homelessness situation. Let uh, go ahead and give me uh, clip seventy. This is CBS in LA.
2: In a new report released by the county, the findings claim the current system to tackle the homeless crisis is failing on multiple levels. According to the Blue Ribbon Commission on Homeless, established by the county last year to conduct this review of the homeless issue, the region is in crisis, but the system serving persons experiencing homelessness is not set up to operate in crisis mode. These factors, coupled with a web of sometimes inconsistent and poorly communicated policy, and practices leave LASA service providers, community groups, other cities in the region and other stakeholders feeling devalued, unheard and frustrated.
0: I don't doubt that a single word of that is true as far as it goes. You know, poorly articulated, inconsistent policies, people feeling devalued, feeling like, I don't know, the billions of dollars, literally billions being poured into this aren't doing any good. Good. That blue ribbon panel is definitely from the point of view of those who want more money and more resources poured into the wrong programs doing the wrong things, in my opinion. So I
1: was listening to an NPR report about uh, Echo Park Lake. Remember when they had that big rousting of the homeless camp there a year ago? It had been a full year. That's why NPR was doing the story, because officials promised that the 60 people they kicked out of there um, would be you know, rehomed within a year. Check back with us in a year, the officials said. So journalists did check back with them. And I think four people had some sort of housing. Now, I don't, this is not something I'm concerned about. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not sure all these people need to be housed because a lot of them are just drug addicts that need to get their acts together. But you shouldn't get to lie with billions of taxpayer dollars about what you're accomplishing. I'm glad the media stays on it to that extent.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely true. And, you know, that Blue Ribbon Panel report, okay, fine, we will take it with a grain of salt, but I'll take it. Meanwhile, as we mentioned the other day, the uh, controller of uh, the city of L.A. released an audit report on the progress of Proposition Triple H. That was in 2016, if you're not familiar with it, authorized spending $1.2 billion to shelter the homeless in the city, and the results are disastrous. There are now far more homeless people than there were. Um and uh before the pandemic there were forty one thousand two hundred and fifty. Due to the pandemic, there have been no new counts taken, but most experts agree from the increased number of encampments that the number is much higher. Well is so it because it grew of the twenty sixteen to twenty twenty. No, it grew a great deal from 2016 to 2020 while these billions were allegedly being spent. And then it grew even more during the pandemic.
1: Well, right. But was it because of the pandemic or the continuing to announce more gazillion dollar programs that seems to grow homelessness? Oh, it's absolutely the latter. When we were doing the stories out of San Francisco and they were interviewing people on the streets and practically nobody was from San Francisco. Uh, Same with L.A., I'm sure. People figure out where the money spigot is. If you're homeless in some town where they don't have a money spigot, you go to a place where they do have a money spigot.
0: Yeah. So six years after the pra- passing of this $1.2 billion in uh in funding, uh, L.A. is building units for housing, has completed 1,142 units. An additional 4,200 are under construction. Uh, during this review, we found that the less than 1,200 units that have been d- produced in five years, estimated cost for several projects, exceeded $700,000 per unit. Wow. One second, 700000 per unit. Most of the units built to house a person, by the way.
1: seven hundred grand to house a person.
0: Yeah, now that are, is quite a few of the major projects. Uh, the average completed cost is about five hundred and twenty-one thousand dollars per unit, uh, and and the ones currently under construction, it's an average cost of about six hundred thousand per unit. How can anyone? How can anyone? I don't care how progressive you are.
1: How can anyone justify seven hundred grand per person to try to get people off the street? And then, what do you think? What long term? How does this work out? What is your plan here? They live there forever. And you just keep spending seven hundred grand per person as the homeless situation grows as it has for many years? Or you think they're all of a sudden gonna get a degree from a community college and go get a job and stop doing crack? I mean, what, what do you what do you think is going to happen?
0: Right, right. And there are more stats about stuff that costs seven hundred and uh, there's one project currently estimated at eight hundred and thirty seven hundred I'm sorry, eight hundred and thirty seven thousand per unit. Additionally, It took 3.4 years to complete the 1,142 units while more homeless poured into the area. It will take an estimated 4.3 years to complete the additional 4,200 units, at which point, who knows, the number of bums and junkies might have doubled. The estimated current number of homeless in Los Angeles, and again, the word homeless is a propaganda term to make you think the primary problem of all of these people, is that they have no home.
1: Unhoused is the NPR term.
0: Currently experiencing unhousedness. The primary problem for a large majority of them is they're drug addicts. They're not drug addicts because they are one paycheck away from losing their house and got a medical bill and blah, blah, blah. No, they're drug addicts because they're drug addicts. They're homeless because they're unemployable junkies.
1: Those currently being denied roofability.
0: Uh, right, exactly, and and I'm not saying every single one. Certainly not. There are some innocent people, unfortunate people. Um, their minds don't work right. Maybe they did catch a couple and of bad breaks. I'm tired
1: the caveats. We all know that. That's not what the problem is. That's not what the exploded problem is. So we gotta we gotta quit with the find the person that you can justify. You know, uh, you, you know, opening your heart toward.
0: Right. Right. It's like the one guy who robs a bank cuz he needs insulin. It's just irrelevant to the problem of bank robbery.
1: And yeah, and obviously so we have a drug addiction problem with people living on the street who are drug addicts that we just cannot face as a society for some reason. I see them every
0: day cuz there's no money in it for most of us.
1: I see them every day because of the route I have to take home in the, the area the radio station is in. The people screaming at the bushes and you know sleeping under the under the overpass or whatever, they're drug addicts. So what are we so, gonna do about that? I don't know what the answer is to that, but it's not because rent's too high.
0: So this was all leading up to the following. Brace yourselves now, especially Los Angelinos. Though a new count is currently underway, experts have estimated the current number of homeless in L.A. is approximately 60,000 people. Extrapolating out spending costs using the current progress as a baseline and at a current average of $600,000 per unit, Los Angeles will need to spend more than $36 billion to house the people estimated to be on the streets now, assuming no more show up, $36 billion. However... According to the audit, less than 5% of the original uh, two point, uh, $1.2 billion remains. So, essentially, they're out of money. And Los Angeles
3: of, crumbling.
0: And thank you, rock guy. And <laughs> tens of thousands of people are still on the streets. Uh, I mean, it's as if uh, this stuff isn't doing any good. These programs aren't doing any good. They're bloated. It's the homeless industrial complex.
1: It's as if it isn't doing any good. What does that say? Los Angeles is crumbling? Is that Los what Angeles is crumbling. <laughs> yes. Well, I like I like how they don't ever, you know, deal with the fact so the chart the, the graph on the chart's going one direction. But we always assume it's gonna stop today. You
0: know, it's not gonna continue down there. Really. Any minute now. Let's just pour another couple of billion into it. Or thirty six billion dollars. I never lived in a town that had close to sixty
1: thousand people until I was, you know, working on getting into my thirties. They got sixty thousand people
0: yeah. on the streets yeah. in LA. Let me let me break this down for you. And I realize this is self-evident, but sometimes I think it helps to go through it. Picture a hundred million dollars, spending a hundred million dollars on something. All right, times ten. That's a billion. That's a billion dollars. And then you have to multiply that by thirty-six to come up with the amount of money that would have to be spent given current practices to home every bum, junkie, and loser in L.A. County. Meanwhile, 30,000 more have showed up, so that's going to be another, I don't know, 18, 19 billion.
1: You know, the problem with the progressive view welfare state thing is it doesn't work. And the the problem with the conservative angle of it is... The hard-hearted conservative angle is it just looks so mean, and especially once you've uh, let the situation get out of control, that's when it's at its meanest. You got to catch this, you know, before it happens. With the, um, you know, with the societal pressures of people supporting themselves. And, and figuring out a way to make a living. And feeling ashamed if you can't feel you, feed your own kids. You should be ashamed that you can't. So there's all kinds of societal pressure to make sure you don't end up in that position. But right. once you let all that occur, then it just looks so awful. Right. To not just hand these people money for the rest of their lives, I guess. But obviously that creates more of them. Because there's lights. There's a There's a certain chunk of human nature that wants to just lay around and be given stuff. So it doesn't work.
0: I agree with every word. I don't know how you get out of the spiral at this point. Realism. I think you have to see these policies fail and fail so spectacularly and so miserably that even the most unicornian of voters that is ruled not by common sense, but by their emotions, they wake up and realize, oh, this doesn't work.
1: I've said this for years, and it still just blows my mind. The biggest weakness of the whole progressive theory is you all believe that every human being is going to do their best in every circumstance. And anybody who ends up in a bad situation, it's because they were screwed by the system. Who were your friends growing up that led you to believe this? I mean, who did
0: you hang out with at high school or college that led you to believe this? Where did you work where everybody was given 100%? What, how did you form your worldview? It's fantasy.
1: Yeah, You can comment on the text line 415-295-KFTC.
2: Meanwhile, I read that over in Russia, Putin's senior advisors have been giving him false information about the war because they're, quote, too afraid to tell him the truth. And it's getting crazy. Today, Putin left a meeting like, I can't believe I'm the se- sexiest man alive. I can't believe I... This is unbelievable. Third year in a row. There you go.
1: So, this just came out. Uh, it had been teased. It wasn't. Un- it wasn't unexpected, but it's officially announced now. The Biden administration announcing historic oil reserve release, along with other steps to reduce gas prices. Mm. Um, 180 million barrels of oil. It's the biggest release ever in U.S. history. The United States consumes around 20 million barrels of oil per day, with global consumption hovering around 100 million per day and rele- releasing 100 million bar- 180 m- a million so if we use 20 a day, that's uh, obviously nine days' worth of
0: oil. Yeah, I, it's How much is always decried as a gimmick whenever this is done. Now, this is a huge amount, but it still seems gimmicky and very temporary to me.
1: Yeah, well, most of the experts that I've read comment on this in the last 24 hours since it was announced have said, yeah, it's going to do really nothing. Um,
0: uh, so is it just a gesture? Yeah, it's it's a look at me. I'm doing something. Republicans and Democrats do this during times of yeah, crisis, yeah. but it's it's practically of no significance. I do
1: not like meaning meaningless gestures. It seems like the opposite of conservatism to me. Meaningless gestures. Mm-hmm. Um, gas is high uh, in California. The average price now is almost six. Uh, the rest of the country, you know, more in the four territory, but it's it's high. And does it say this way for the next 10 years, or is this a blip in time? Who flippin' knows? kind of depends on how a couple of things turn out. I was just reading from the um, dispatch on the whole deal in Iran, which is getting almost no attention. Nobody's really paying attention to it. Um, The challenge of containing a nuclear Iran, and Tim Sandifer tweeted out that headline and said, you're not going to, is the problem. And I I don't think we're going to either. Iran's going to get a nuke. And so then they're going to get to do something wacky. Well, they already do wacky stuff. They're the leading exporter of terror in the world. But uh, they're going to do wacky
0: stuff that the world cannot push back on, just like with Russia, because they have nukes now. What's that going to do to everything? I don't know. I've thought for a long time, and, and with all due regard to the idea of keeping Iran from doing being nuclear armed, because that's a nightmare. It's probably a nightmare we're going to live through. But I've always thought, all right, so we uh, come up with this uh, JCPOA or whatever agreement, and they agree to not uh, do the nukes, and they cheat like they always cheat. And eventually they announce, hey, uh, <laughs> surprise, we got a nuke. And we say, well, then, it's time for the sanctions, and we're going to get you. And they say, you can't. We got a nuke now. <laughs> and then we, damn it. Checkmate. They got us. Right.
1: But it'll be the first time where you've got like the super crazy, um, uh, you know, a radical religious people who might actually believe, hey, go ahead, blow me up. I got uh, 72 virgins waiting for me. Feel free. I'm Mutually assured destruction doesn't matter on me. I kind of like the idea of dozens and dozens of virgins waiting for me. So feel free to get into a nuclear war with me if you want to.
0: 72 and 45 is more than enough. Uh, yeah, Seems I like a lot. Right. They, they want an apocalypse. There yeah, so, is actually a branch of Islam that does.
1: Yeah, so we haven't been in that situation before.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of crazy notions, and I wish I had more time for this, but uh, alas, isn't life like that? Uh, Washington State has set a target that all vehicles of model year 2030 or later sold, purchased, or registered in Washington State, they must be electric vehicles.
1: That's seven and a half years
0: from now. The bill was signed by a uh, unicorn-riding lunatic, uh, Jay Inslee, the governor, making Washington the state with the earliest all-electric new car target in the nation.
1: Keeping in mind that current nationwide electric car sales are 1.8% or something like that.
0: And keeping in mind that nobody's ever honest about the energy use necessary to produce and, and fuel Electric cars.
1: Yeah, I wonder about that with a Tesla. If everybody started driving electric cars, are there enough charging stations? Or are they going to always be full? You go there and wait for an hour for your slot to charge up.
0: Well, and before you even get there, I'll just hit you with some of this. Batteries don't make electricity. They store electricity produced elsewhere, primarily by coal, uranium, natural gas-powered plants, or diesel fuel generators. So to say an EV is a zero-emission vehicle is not at all valid. Also, since 40% of the electricity in the U.S. is from coal-fired plants, follows that 40% of the EVs on the road are coal-powered. Do you see? But that's not half of it. For those of you so excited about electric cars and a green revolution, I want to take a closer look at batteries and also at windmills and solar panels. A typical EV battery weighs 1,000 pounds, about the size of a travel trunk. It contains 25 pounds of lithium, 60 pounds of nickel, 40 pounds of manganese, 30 pounds of cobalt, 200 pounds of copper, and 400 pounds of aluminum, steel, and plastic. That's a lot over of magnanies. It. Oh, that's more than you can d- 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 buy. Insider, over 6,000 individual lithium-ion cells. To manufacture each EV auto battery, you must process 25,000 pounds of brine for the lithium, 30,000 pounds of ore for the cobalt, 5,000 pounds of ore for the nickel, 25,000 pounds of ore for the copper. All told, you dig up 500,000 pounds of the Earth's crust for one battery. And it goes on and on into all the energy that goes into that mining and production. It's an astonishing. Astonishing amount of fossil fuels to produce a car battery that will be fueled at least 40 percent by coal anyway that's
1: fascinating and a problem that has not been dealt with at all by the greens they ignore it
0: armstrong and getty